Section 18 of Woman in Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Bologna Times. Woman in Science by John Augustine Zam. Chapter 8, Part 2. While women were winning such laurels in Salerno in every department of the healing art, their sisters north of the Alps were not idle. As early as 1292, there were in Paris no less than eight women doctors, called miresses or médecines, whose names have come down to us, not to speak of those who practiced in other parts of France. There was also a certain number of women who devoted themselves to surgery, and called by the old Latin authors of the time, chirurgery. In Paris, however, conditions for studying and practicing medicine and surgery were far from being as favorable to women as they were in Salerno. As there were no schools open to them for the study of these branches, they had to depend entirely for such knowledge as they were able to acquire on the aid they could get from practicing doctors, the reading of medical books, and their own experience. The consequence was that they were not at all so well equipped for their work as were the women who enjoyed all the exceptional advantages offered the students at Salerno. None of them was noted for scholarship, none of them was a writer of books, and only one of them, Jacob Felici, about whom more presently rose above mediocrity. The reason for the great difference between the conditions of the women doctors of Paris and those of Salerno is not far to seek. The faculty of medicine in Paris was, from the beginning of its existence, unalterably opposed to female medical practitioners. As early as 1220, it promulgated an edict prohibiting the practice of medicine by anyone who did not belong to the faculty, and, according to its constitutions and bylaws, only unmarried men were eligible to membership. For a long time the edict remained a dead letter, but eventually, as the faculty grew in power and influence, it was able to enforce the observance of its decrees. One of its first victims was Jacob Felici, just mentioned, who was hailed before court for practicing medicine in contravention of its edict issued many years before. Jacob Felice was a woman of noble birth, and had won distinction by her success in the healing art. As the testimony at her trial revealed, she never treated the sick for the sake of gain. In nearly all cases, the sick who had addressed themselves to her had been abandoned by their own physicians. All the witnesses who had been called testified that they had been cured by Jacob Felice, and all expressed their deepest gratitude to her for her care and devotion. But, in spite of all these facts, and in spite of the brilliant defense that this worthy woman made, she was condemned to pay a heavy fine condemned because as the indictment read she had presumed to put her sickle into the harvest of others falcium in messem mitir alienum and this was a crime the faculty was a close corporation and insisted that its members should have a monopoly of all the honors and emoluments that were to accrue from the treatment of the sick and suffering what a curious adumbration of similar proceedings within memory of many still living! The prosecution of Jacob Felice 
recalls that of agnodici in greece long ages before and the plea urged for the necessity of a female physician that many a woman would rather die than reveal the secrets of her infirmity to a man was the same as that offered by the women of athens before the council of the areopagus it was the same agonizing cry that had been heard thousands of times before and which has been heard thousands of times since isabella of castile was not the first of the long list of victims who for lack of a doctor of their own sex have been sacrificed through womanly modesty and more's the pity she will not be the last unfortunately for the women of france the result of the prosecution of madame felice was the very reverse of that instituted against agnodici for the latter came off victorious while the former was condemned and punished so crushing was the blow dealt to women practitioners outside of obstetrics that they did not recover from its effects for more than five hundred years for it was not until eighteen sixty eight that the ecole de medicine of paris opened its doors to women and it was not until nearly twenty years later that female physicians were able to enter the hospitals of the french capital as interns until quite recent years there is very little to be said of women physicians in england and germany their practice outside of that of certain herb doctors was confined chiefly to midwifery there was no provision made in either of these countries for the education of women in medicine and surgery and such a thing as a college where they could receive instruction in the healing art was unknown it is true that an ecclesiastical law of edgar king of england permitted women as well as men to practice medicine but this law was subsequently abolished by henry v during the reign of henry viii a law was again enacted in favor of women physicians for at that time an act was passed for the relief and protection of diverse honest sons as well men as women whom god hath endued with the knowledge of the nature kind and operation of certain herbs roots and waters and the using and ministering them to such as be pained with customable diseases for neighborhood and god's sake and of pity and charity because that the company and fellowship of surgeons of london minding only their own lucres and nothing the profit or case of the diseased or patient have sued vexed and troubled the aforesaid honest sons who were henceforth to be allowed to practice use and minister in and to any outward sore swelling or disease any herbs ointments baths pulses or plasters according to their cooning experience and knowledge without suit vexation penalty or loss of their goods the italicized words in this quotation prove that the women doctors of england had the same difficulties as their sisters in france and that the real reason of the opposition of the male practitioners was that they wished to monopolize the practice of medicine they like the medical faculty of paris strenuously objected to women putting the sickle into their harvest and they accordingly left nothing undone to circumvent the intrusion of those whom they always regarded as undesirable competitors 
it was argued by the men that women to begin with lacked the strength and capacity necessary for medical practice it was also urged that it was indelicate and unwomanly for the gentler sex to engage in the healing art and that for their own good they should be excluded from it at all costs those who were willing to waive these objections contended that women had not the knowledge necessary for the profession of medicine and should be excluded on the score of ignorance when women sought to qualify themselves for medical practice by seeking instruction under licensed practitioners or in medical schools they found a deaf ear turned to their requests the doctors declined to teach them and the medical schools one and all closed the doors against them thus it was that in england france and germany the practice of medicine and surgery was always practically in the hands of men until only a generation ago even the english midwives gradually fell from their highest state and were left far behind the female obstetricians of germany and france for these two countries can point to a number of midwives who by their knowledge successful practice and the books they wrote achieved a celebrity that still endures chief among these in germany were regina joseph von siebold her daughter carlotta and frau theresa frey all of whom in the early part of the last century enjoyed an enviable reputation in the fatherland the first named after following a course of lectures on physiology and the diseases of women and children and passing a brilliant examination in the medical college of darmstadt devoted herself to the practice of obstetrics and with so great success that the university of geisen in 1819 conferred on her the degree of doctor of obstetrics her daughter carlotta after studying obstetrics under her mother went to the university of gottingen where she devoted herself to physiology anatomy and pathology after passing an examination and successfully defending a number of theses in the university of geisen she was also proclaimed a doctor of obstetrics at a later date frau frei received a similar degree more noted as acochuses and gynecologists than the three distinguished women just mentioned were madame marie louise la chapelle and madame marie bovin who shortly after the french revolution entered upon those wonderful careers in their chosen specialties which have given them so unique a place in the annals of medicine madame la chapelle was particularly celebrated for the numerous improvements she effected in lying in hospitals for the large number of skilled midwives whom she furnished not only to france but also to the whole of europe and above all for the excellent treatises which she wrote on obstetrics which gave her a reputation second to none among her contemporaries men or women her pratique des accouchements in three volumes based on the immense number of fifty thousand cases at which she presided reveals an operator of rarest skill and genius this production was long regarded as a standard work on the topics discussed and for years exerted an immense influence in the medical world less skillful as an operator but of greater ability as a doctor than madame la chapelle was her illustrious contemporary madame bovin 
possessing extraordinary insight as an investigator and marvelous sagacity as a diagnostician madame Mauvin achieved the distinction of being the first really great woman doctor of modern times her marvelous success as a practitioner Dupuytren said she had an eye at the tip of her finger her extended knowledge of the entire range of gynecology but above all her numerous treatises on the subject matter of her life work gave her a prestige that none of her sex had ever before enjoyed and commanded the admiration of the doctors of the world her memorial de la art des accouchements passed through many editions and was translated into several european languages and so highly were her scientific attainments valued in germany that the university of marburg recognized them by conferring on her honoris causa the degree of doctor of medicine and had its rules permitted the admission of women the royal academy of medicine would have honored her with a place among its members she was also the recipient of many other honors besides being a member of several learned societies but the greatest monument to her genius at large is a large illustrated treatise in two volumes in which she exhibits a wonderful knowledge of anatomy physiology surgery pathology and therapeutics it gave her a large following in germany as well as in france and there were not wanting distinguished german accoucheurs who followed madame bovin's teachings to the letter the remarkable german and french women just named were all practically self-made women they won fame as they had acquired knowledge chiefly by courage in spite of the countless obstacles that beset their paths they owed nothing to schools or universities nothing to government patronage or assistance nothing to the medical fraternity as a whole universities would not admit them to their lecture rooms or laboratories and the various medical faculties opposed them as intruders into their jealously guarded domain and as competitors whose aspirations were to be frustrated whatever the means employed it is true that when some of the women mentioned had won world-wide renown by their achievements they were made the recipients of belated honors by certain universities and learned societies but these societies and universities were then honoring themselves as much as the women who received their degrees and diplomas of membership how different it was in italy which since the fall of the roman empire has ever been in the van of civilization and which has always continued the best traditions of greco-roman learning and culture italy which had been the home of such supreme masters of literature science art as dante petrarch galileo leonardo da vinci raphael michelangelo brunelleschi italy the mother of universities the birthplace of the renaissance and the recognized leader of intellectual progress among the nations of the world here in the favored land of the muses and the graces women enjoyed all the rights and privileges accorded to men here the doors of schools and universities were open to all regardless of sex and art science literature law medicine jurisprudence counted its votaries among women as well as among men 
here far from encountering jealousy and opposition in the pursuit of knowledge or in the practice of the professions women never found aught but generous emulation and sympathetic cooperation for a thousand years women were welcomed into the arena of learning and culture on the same footing as men in salerno bologna padua pavia they competed for the same honors and were contestants for the same prizes that stimulated the exertions of the sterner sex position and emolument were the guerdons of merit and ability and the victor whether man or woman was equally acclaimed and showered with equal honor women asked for no favors in the intellectual arena and expected none all they desired were the same opportunities and the same privileges as were granted the men and these were never denied them from the time when trotula taught in salerno to the present when giuseppina catana is professor of general pathology in the medical faculty of bologna the women of italy always had access to the universities and were at liberty to follow any course of study they might elect we thus find them achieving distinction in civil and canon law in medicine in theology even as well as in art science literature philosophy and linguistics no department of knowledge had any terrors for them and there was none in which some of them did not win undying fame they held chairs of language jurisprudence philosophy physics mathematics medicine and anatomy and filled these positions with such marked ability that they commanded the admiration and applause of all who heard them this is not the place to tell of the triumphs of the women professors in the italian universities or to recount the achievements of those who were honored with degrees within their classic walls let it suffice to recall the names of a few of those who won renown in medicine and surgery and whose names are still in their own land pronounced with respect and veneration one of the most noted practitioners in southern italy after the death of trotula and her compeers was one margarita who had studied medicine in salerno one of her patients was no less of a personage than ladislaw king of naples among those that had diplomas for the practice of surgery were maria incarnata of naples and tomasia de matteo of castro Ize. that women enjoyed in rome the same privileges in the practice of medicine and surgery as their sisters in the southern part of the peninsula is manifest from an edict issued by pope sixtus fourth in confirmation of a law promulgated by the medical faculty of rome which reads as follows no man or woman whether christian or jew unless he be a master of or a licentiate in medicine shall presume to treat the human body either as a physician or as a surgeon in central and northern italy in florence turin padua and venice as well as in the southern part we find constantly recurring instances of women practicing medicine and surgery and winning for themselves an enviable reputation as successful practitioners but after the decline of salerno consequent on the establishment by frederick second of a school of medicine in naples the great center of medicine and surgery as of civil and canon law was bologna so renowned did it become as a teaching and intellectual center that it was as sarti informs us known throughout europe as civitas docta 
the learned city, and Mater Studiorum, the mother of studies. On its coins were stamped the words Bologna Docet, Bologna Teachers, and on the city seal, which is still used for certain public documents, were the words Legum Bologna Mater, Bologna the mother of laws. Here, more than in Salerno, more than in any other city in the world, was for long centuries witnessed a blooming of female genius that has, since the time of Gratian and Arnerius, given the University of Bologna preeminence in the estimation of all friends of women's education and women's culture. For here, within the walls of what was for centuries the most celebrated university in Christendom, women had, for the first time, an opportunity of devoting themselves at will to the study of any and all branches of knowledge. And it can be truthfully affirmed that no seat of learning can point to such a long list of eminent scholars and teachers among the gentler sex as is to be found on the register of Bologna's famous university. For here, to name only a few, achieve distinction, either as students or as professors, such noted women as Petitia Gozadina, Bettina and Novella Calandrini, Dorotea Bocchi, Giovanna and Maddalena Bianchetti, Virginia Malvesi, Maria Vittoria Dossi, Elisabetta Serene, Ippolita Grassi, Propersia de Rossi, Maria Mastalagri, Laura Bassi, Maddalena Noicandide, Clotilda Tambroni, and Anna Manzolini. In this honor list we have a group of savants that were famed throughout Europe for their attainments in law, philosophy, science, ancient and modern languages, medicine, and surgery the rivals, and sometimes the superiors, in scholarship of the ablest men among their distinguished colleagues. It would be a pleasure to recount the achievements of these justly celebrated daughters of Italy, but lack of space precludes the mention of more than one of them. This was Maria Dalitan, who was born of poor peasants near Bologna, and who at an early age exhibited intelligence of a superior order. After pursuing her studies under the ablest masters, she obtained from the University of Bologna, maxima cum laude, the degree of doctor in philosophy and medicine. On account of her knowledge of surgery as well as of medicine, she was soon afterward put in charge of the city's school for midwives. When Napoleon, in 1802, passed through Bologna, he was so struck by the exceptional ability of the young Dottoressa that on the recommendation of the savant Catarzani, he had instituted for her in the university a chair of obstetrics, a position which she held until the time of her death in 1842, with the greatest credit to herself and to the institution with which she was identified. Maria del Don is a worthy link between that long line of women doctors, beginning with Trotula, who have so honored their sex in Italy and those still more numerous practitioners in the healing art who shortly after her death began to spring up in all parts of the civilized world for it was about this time that the movement which had long been agitated in behalf of the higher education of women began suddenly to assume extraordinary vitality not only throughout europe but in america as well 
and to no women did this movement appeal so strongly as to those who had long been looking forward to an opportunity to qualify themselves for the learned professions especially medicine no sooner did they descry the first flush of dawn on their long deferred hopes than they began to consider ways and means for putting their fondly nurtured projects into execution seven years almost to the day after the death of maria Dalton, miss elizabeth blackwell a young woman in america of english birth decided to enter college with a view of studying medicine and surgery but at the very outset she encountered all kinds of unforeseen difficulties difficulties that would have caused a less courageous and determined woman to give up her plans in despair she was told in the first place that it was highly improper for a woman to study medicine and that no decent woman would think of becoming a medical practitioner as to a lady studying or practicing surgery that of course was out of the question but a more serious obstacle than the conventionalities in the case was the difficulty of finding a medical college that was willing to admit a woman to its lecture rooms and laboratories miss blackwell applied to more than a dozen of the leading institutions of america and received a positive refusal to her request finally when hope had almost vanished she received word from a small college in geneva new york announcing that her application had been favorably considered and that she would be admitted as a student whenever she presented herself the truth is that the faculty of the college was opposed to the young woman's admission but wished to escape the odium incident to a direct refusal by referring the question to the class with a proviso which it was believed would necessarily exclude her but in this it was greatly surprised and disappointed for the entire medical class to the number of about one hundred and fifty decided unanimously in favor of the fair applicant's admission and they did more than this they put themselves on record regarding the equality of educational opportunities for women and men in a way that must have put their timid professors to shame their resolution accompanying an invitation to the young woman to become a member of the student body was worded as follows resolved that one of the radical principles of a republican government is the universal education of both sexes that to every branch of scientific education the door should be equally open to all that the application of elizabeth blackwell to become a member of our class meets our entire approbation and in extending our unanimous invitation we pledge ourselves that no conduct of ours shall cause her to regret her attendance at this institution the students were as good as their word their conduct as miss blackwell wrote years afterwards was always admirable and that of true christian gentlemen but the women of geneva were shocked at the female medical student they stared at her as a curious animal and the theory was fully established that she was either a bad woman whose designs would gradually become evident or that being insane an outbreak of insanity would soon be apparent in due time miss blackwell finished her course in medicine and surgery and graduated at the head of her class the orator of the day who was a member of the faculty naturally referred to the new departure that had been made 
the admission of a woman for the first time to a complete medical education and among other things declared that the experiment of which every member of the faculty was proud had proved that the strongest intellect and nerve and the most untiring perseverance were compatible with the softest attributes of feminine delicacy and grace the awarding of the degree of m d for the first time to a woman in america excited general comment and widespread interest not only in the united states but in europe as well the public press was not unfavorable in its opinion of the new departure and even punch could not resist writing some verses sympathetic albeit humorous in honor of the fair m d after spending some time abroad studying in the great hospitals of europe miss blackwell started the practice of medicine in new york city at first as she declares in her autobiographical sketches it was very difficult though steady uphill work i had she tells us no medical companionship the profession stood aloof and society was distrustful of the innovation the aloofness of the profession arose from a dread of successful rivalry and the men did not wish to encourage the invasion of women of their own preserves you cannot expect us one of them frankly admitted to her to furnish you with a stick to break our heads with but undeterred by opposition miss blackwell continued her work daily making converts to the new movement and receiving substantial aid as well as sympathetic cooperation from many people both men and women prominent in society and public life in eighteen fifty four she started a free dispensary for poor women three years later she founded a hospital for women and children where young women physicians as well as patients could be received these were the humble beginnings of the present flourishing institutions known as the new york infirmary and the college for women and in less than ten years after her graduation miss blackwell saw the new departure in medical practice successfully established not only in new york but also in other large cities of the united states in eighteen sixty nine the early pioneer medical work by women in america was completed during the twenty years which followed the graduation of the first woman physician the public recognition of the justice and advantage of such a measure has steadily grown throughout the northern states the free and equal entrance of women into the profession of medicine was secured in boston new york and philadelphia special medical schools for women were sanctioned by the legislatures and in some long-established colleges women were received as students in the ordinary classes meanwhile the women in europe were not idle nor heedless of the example set by their brave sisters in america the university of zurich threw open its portals to women and was soon followed by those of Bern and geneva the first woman to obtain a degree in medicine in zurich it was in eighteen sixty seven was nadija susloa a russian she was soon followed by scores of others from europe and america who found greater advantages and more sympathy in swiss universities than elsewhere in eighteen sixty nine the medico chirurgical academy of st petersburg conferred the degree of m d upon madame kashiwaro the first female candidate for this honor when her name was mentioned by the dean it was received with an immense storm of applause which lasted several minutes 
the ceremony of investing her with the insignia of her dignity being over her fellow students and colleagues lifted her on a chair and carried her with triumphant shouts throughout the halls the first woman graduate from the university of france was miss elizabeth garrett of england she received her degree in medicine in eighteen seventy and the following year the same institution conferred the doctor's degree on miss mary c putnam of new york after these precedents had been established the universities of the various countries on the continent following the example set by those in the united states and switzerland opened one after the other their doors to women and in most of them accorded them all the privileges of civis academici enjoined by the men great britain held out against the new movement long after most of the continental countries had fallen into line nor did she surrender until after a protracted and bitter fight during which the men leading the opposition exhibited evidences of selfishness and obscurantism that now seem incredible the leader in great britain of pioneer medical work for women was miss sophia jacks blake whose academic pathway was beset with difficulties far sterner than had in the united states confronted her friend and colleague miss blackwell hearing much of the tolerance and liberality of the university of london she applied to it for admission as a student but was informed at once that the charter of the institution had purposely been so worded as to exclude the possibility of examining women for medical degrees after this rebuff she made application to the university of edinburgh which like the other scotch universities had also had always boasted of its broad-mindedness and freedom from educational trammels she was received provisionally and was after a while joined by six other women who had in view the same object as herself for a time notwithstanding opposition from certain quarters everything was quiet and apparently satisfactory but the gathering storms soon broke and the seven young women as they were one day entering the university gates were actually mobbed by a ruffianly band of students who had all along been opposed to the presence of women in the class and lecture rooms they pelted the helpless females with street mud and hurled at them all the vile epithets and heaped upon them all the abuse that their foul tongues could command these outrageous proceedings on the part of the rabble of rowdies were allowed to continue for several days and had it not been for a brave band of chivalrous young irishmen among the students who formed themselves into a bodyguard for the protection of their fair classmates and were in consequence known as the irish brigade the hapless women students would not have escaped bodily harm what a marked contrast between the conduct toward miss blackwell of the gallant students of the modest little american town and that of the cowardly ruffians of the vaunted athens of the north but this was not all the seven young women in question had matriculated as students of the university with the understanding that they were to have all the rights and privileges of the male students but after the disgraceful conduct of the mob just referred to they discovered that the authorities of the university were prepared to break faith with them and prevent them from getting their coveted degrees and thus debar them from all chance of medical practice the reason why the university was induced to annul its contract after the women on their part had fully complied with all its stipulations soon became apparent 
it was purely and simply to make it impossible for women to secure a license as medical practitioners both in and outside of edinburgh the conviction daily grew stronger that women doctors were a menace to the monopoly so long enjoyed by the medical fraternity and that the movement in their favor should be crushed by fair means or foul before it got beyond control the spectator made this clear by stating at the time of the controversy that every profession in this country england is more or less of a trades union and yet the members of these professions would shake their heads and prate about the necessity of stamping out trades unionism among workmen women whined one of the doctors would snatch the bread from the mouths of poor practitioners another doctor who had championed the cause of women physicians when commenting on the hypocritical objection that it was unbecoming for women to practice medicine or surgery expressed the same idea in other words it appears he declared that it is most becoming and proper for a woman to discharge all the duties which are incidental to our profession for thirty shillings a week but if she is to have three or four guineas a day for discharging the same duties then they are immoral and immodest and unsuited to the soft nature that should characterize a lady after miss jex blake and her companions learned that the university was determined to refuse them the degrees to which they were entitled they brought suit against it for breach of contract but after a long and expensive trial the judge rendered a decision against them they then appealed to parliament and after a protracted and strenuous campaign on the part of friends whom they had enlisted in their cause they saw their opponents not only dragged at the chariot wheels of progress but forced to help to turn them for in eighteen seventy eight after nearly ten years of a persistent continuous struggle such as had rarely been witnessed in woman's long battle for things of the mind a struggle in which the intrepid dauntless miss jex blake made the greatest of all the contributions to the end attained the women of great britain had the supreme satisfaction of winning what was probably the most glorious victory which their sex had ever won the war was over and henceforward they were free as were their sisters in other parts of the world as the women in italy had been for a thousand years to devote themselves at will to the study and practice of the healing art without let or hindrance what a wonderful change has taken place in the medical world almost within the space of a single generation the tiny grain of mustard that was sown by two lone women the mrs blackwell and jex blake in their chosen field of effort has grown and waxed a great tree women doctors are now found in all parts of the civilized world and are numbered by thousands and so great has been their professional success so widespread is the desire to secure their services especially in countries like america and england where opposition was in the beginning especially bitter that the proportion of women practitioners in medicine and surgery is now regarded as the best index of a nation's enlightenment the healing art of greece and rome has broadened out into the noble sciences of medicine and surgery of to-day for based as they now are on the sciences of chemistry botany biology hygiene physiology anatomy and bacteriology which have all witnessed 
such extraordinary developments during the last half century they both deserve a pre-eminent place in the history of the sciences and the success which has crowned woman's efforts in surgery and medicine is not only a conclusive indication of her capacity so long denied by her self-interested opponents but also the most convincing indication that she is at last properly occupied in a field of activity from which she was too long excluded her contributions as writer and investigator toward the progress of both sciences even during the short time in which she has been able to give proof of her ability have been notable and augur well for the share she will have in their future advancement but more important still is the refining influence she has already exerted on both professions and the relief she has been able to afford to countless thousands of her own sex who would otherwise have been the voluntary victims of untold misery women doctors are indeed not only worthy representatives of asculapia victrix and of the two sciences which they have so elevated and so ennobled but are also ministering angels to poor suffering humanity comparable only with the heroic sisters of charity and the devoted nurses of the red cross End of chapter eight part two